college athletics is a full-time job. Football is probably a whole different level compared to other sports, but even cross, it's tough. You're there for like three, four hours a day. And if you want to go watch film, come back, get extra work, whatever it is, it takes a lot. And with your academic schedule and then everything else going on in your life, it, it adds a very big mental toll on you. But I am grateful. I mean, there was still kind of a stigma around mental health at that point. They, Ohio State did offer sports psychologists, which I'm grateful for. I got offered to go plenty of times for my like 12th breakdown. And then once I was like, all right, I'm coming home. So after talking to my mom, talking to my trainer, who I had a very, very close relationship with, and she was like a mother figure down here. because my mom was in, in a different country. She was like, Justin, I think you should meet with sports psychologists. I'm like, okay, I'll try that. And it made such a difference. I was embarrassed to speak about how I was feeling with anyone else, like all the stress that I, I was feeling. And being able to talk to someone, let it all out, it made such a difference. I met with him weekly for a good portion of my career here. And at first I was embarrassed to say that. Now I'm not because I realize how important that is to let it out and speak to someone, get help when you need it. In case you haven't noticed, we love podcasts. In fact, we love building podcasts, everything from development to production. Because of all that, we're building a -a one-of-a-kind podcast network. If you have a podcast or looking to launch a new podcast, then we should talk. You can message me on Twitter at Eric underscore Kaz or hit us up any way that works for you. Let's talk about your podcast joining this one-of-a-kind podcast network. Thanks for reaching out. First of all, I think you had connected on LinkedIn and Instagram. It's a crazy world now. You put some content out there and you never know who you're going to meet in the process. And as we're building out, you know, we've been doing this podcast for a long time and just I'm always blown away by the different conversations we get to have with people like yourself that we otherwise would never have met if it wasn't for taking the good from, say, social media. And, you know, I'd also say this from sports, right? Like there's like these connection points that we have, just sport bring us together. You know, Nate and I have been having all these conversations and it's like, I can't believe I'm talking to this individual and it's because of football, but it goes way beyond football. It goes way beyond sports. And so I'm just always excited. Like when then it comes to a point where you come across it and, you know, reach out or interested in having a conversation with us and then we all get to do it. So I just think it's from that standpoint, like more than anything else, like it's just brings so much together and it's a lot what you're doing in your business and what you've done in life and what you're doing with lacrosse. So man, welcome. It's awesome to chat with you and to learn about what you're doing and what you were up to and your time at Ohio State and all that. So it's good to meet you, Justin. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me here. I love what you guys are doing here. I've listened to a bunch of your podcasts and that's why I want to reach out. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. So you're at Ohio State. Were you there for five years? Five years. Yeah. There you go. Another five-year guy. Yeah. I like that, man. <laughs> Take advantage of that extra year. I ain't mad at it. Only good thing that came with uh, COVID. That's for ah. sure. Yeah. 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 Threw some things off for sure for a lot of people. So, okay, let's start there then. What year were you then in school when COVID became a thing? I was a junior during the COVID year. Okay. So I got to Ohio State 2017, the fall of 2017. I'm actually from Canada. So that was a unique situation. Yeah. 
but I've always wanted to come down to the States and play lacrosse. A little bit about that is I was, by the end of my high school career, I was a highly sought after recruit, I think number seven in my class. So I had the privilege of visiting many different schools and none of them resonated with me as much as the Ohio State did. Yeah. When I got this, I met the coaches, went to a football game, and I was like, I want to come here. Yeah. This is uh, mm-hmm. unreal, and I knew I could play lacrosse at the highest level here as well. Yeah. Now, when you were on your visit, what game was that? I know you said you went to the football game, so I'm just curious to see. It was, uh, I think it was a Wisconsin game. That was my ninth grade in high school. So my freshman year of high school. Wow. Gotcha. And that's when I committed. I committed very early. I got you. That's pretty dope. Like, I know with Ohio State football and just football in general, I know we have, I think, 85 scholarship players. But I guess with lacrosse, I know you said you committed early. How many scholarships are on the lacrosse team? And was it like a full scholarship or how did that work? So I think there's 12 okay. scholarships that the NCAA gives. Gotcha. I'm sure schools know how to work around that a little bit. They offer more than just 12. But yeah, I, I was on full scholarship. I think I just got paid for uh, my room board. So I was gotcha. very grateful for that opportunity and Coach Nick Myers. Yeah. That's dope, man. I mean, I know for me, I'm originally from Cleveland. So going to Ohio State, being from Ohio, kind of really made sense. But I also noticed, I think I told Eric this a few podcasts ago, or maybe it was just me just talking on the phone with him. There are a lot of student athletes from Canada that actually come down to play at Ohio State, whether it be lacrosse or field hockey or even obviously our hockey team in general. But yeah, I met a lot of different people from Canada. So whenever someone tells me they're from there, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's like a normal thing for me. So that's pretty dope, man. Yeah, I appreciate that. We had, as of last year, we had seven Canadians on our team. A little pipeline. Yeah. Okay, so Canada... I'm originally from Buffalo, so it's like, right, I could look out my back window and, um, you know, in Thunder Bay. I'm like 30 minutes from Toronto. Okay. What town? I grew up in Oakville. Okay. Yeah, I know Hamilton well. Okay. I remember when I was in school, it's not that long ago, right? But lacrosse started getting big and we were all playing lacrosse. And it's interesting because I was just, we were talking to some people down here and I'm in Charlotte, North Carolina now, and lacrosse has grown. Like you see it, like you go to the fields, my son goes and plays soccer. Like you see all what's happening with lacrosse on the different, like there's 12 fields there, let's say. And that's on boys and girls lacrosse. You talk to some other people in like say Tennessee, and it's not big, it's getting there. People are getting excited about it. So obviously Canada, right, where you were, it was a big deal. Ohio, it's become, I guess, a bigger deal. I and mean, you guys can tell me what you've seen with the growth of the sport, but it's exploding in some areas. It's picking up steam in other ones and maybe in some other places, it's just not there yet. But like, was it like, hey, here's a lacrosse stick. It's almost like when Nate was born, I think he was given a football, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you my experience. And I'll tell you my perspective on the lacrosse industry right now. But I started playing lacrosse when I was about four years old. I played, my parents put me in every sport you think of just to try and keep me out of trouble when I was growing up. I'm grateful they did that because I got to play ice hockey, lacrosse, soccer, and like so many different other sports that I think really, really helped build me to the, the man I am today and helped me with a lot of different things. Teamwork and skills are necessary for, for life. But I was playing as athletic, I was fast. So I did well in the, in the rec the recreational leagues, specifically lacrosse. And my dad's like, why don't we try out for a rep? Rep's like head of league. 
go to each city and play different cities there. So I was like, okay, tried out, made the team. And then following year after that season, I got cut from the, the three team. It was like, there's three teams in the city, one, two, and three. Three's the worst. And so that following year, I got cut from the three team. Devastated, cried for like two days. And then my dad looked at me, he's like, you don't practice. Why do you think you were going to make that team? Mm. Then that, that made me realize how much I wanted to play lacrosse and how much work I needed to do, put into that sport in order to succeed. But yeah, from that point on, I worked my butt off. I was in my, was on the side of my house playing wall ball for like two hours. Or yeah. Shooting on the mat. And box across was the, I'm not sure if you guys know the two different styles of lacrosse, but it's box across and field across. Field across is like what we play in college. Very big in America. Box cross is indoor, kind of a different game. Indoor style game like ice hockey slash basketball, a mix of the two. It's five people on the court at one time. The nets are a lot smaller. It's a lot more runs. Canadian box cross has a perception of being like blue collar, very very gritty, and there was a lot a lot of fights. Like back in the day, I was getting like decent amount of fights when I was playing. <laughs> it was just like that was the culture. We would just like drop the gloves and start start throwing hands. But that was a style of cross in Canada. And I think it really, really translated to the American field lacrosse game very well. Just because we got to used to playing lacrosse in tight quarters because the arena's a lot smaller, balls are bouncing off the boards, having to pick up those ground balls, shooting on a smaller net. So it helped a lot of skills translate the field game. And that's why I think so many Canadians have success in the field lacrosse game here in America. And that's why a lot of Canadians come down here to play college. Canadian schools, colleges specifically, they just it's not like here. Yeah. I mean, we had like 250 people come out to our college football games in Hamilton. Like, and then you come here, and that's why I was so blown away when I came to visit Ohio State. It was like, oh my God, 110,000 <laughs> people just in the stadium alone. And it was a different, different world. So regarding lacrosse, I mean, box cross has always been big and definitely getting bigger. You're from Buffalo, so you, do you know the Buffalo Bandits? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, they're the ones that only won the championships in Buffalo. No one else could do it. <laughs> oh, they came out because they were in the finals this year. They, they won the whole thing. Or no, they didn't actually lost Colorado, but they were in the finals, and they were saying that they get more fans than the Sabres do. Yeah, recently, yeah, for sure. So the box cross is definitely growing a lot. Field cross is on its way up. I played professional lacrosse this summer in the PLL. I'm not sure if you guys know that. It's the premier lacrosse league. Yeah. And Paul Rabel's one of them. He's doing a great job. Of yeah. Trying to grow the game. It's been around for four years, and we've had so much success each year. Uh, we break new records, get more TV viewership, things along those lines. But Within the next 10, 15 years, I'm hoping that Ross can support guys like for a lifestyle. Because right now, I mean, I was getting paid around 25 grand for, I was a rookie, but it's also like you can't support yourself on a salary like that. So within the next 10, 15 years, I can see lacrosse growing enough, especially within the States, to support yourself yeah. and pursue that full time. Yeah. And some do, some guys are fortunate enough to do that, but a lot of the guys they can't right now. Yeah. So I think that's 
it's it's definitely growing. I mean, Maryland is the hotbed, DC area. But yeah, we're we have a bunch of buddies out in Utah right now, and you wouldn't think Utah is big of lacrosse, but they're single handedly making that kind of a hotbed down there. Wow, there's it, it's growing in a lot of different places, which is good. Yeah, I'm tired of see where it goes. It's like a Silicon Valley type spot where you need like those places. And what Paul Rabel was doing, what I saw, and tell me if this has changed, where you would travel, all the teams would be in a pod, right? And you play all your games there. So it's not like you're going to a city because like in some sports, like it was in one of the football leagues that they tried to create, they go to a city and there's no interest in that town for that team. And so no one shows up and they put it on TV and it's like, there's nothing there and it just destroys the broadcast. Whereas if all of a sudden you have eight games, kind of like an NCAA tournament style format when all the teams are there playing, right? Is that still the format today? Yeah, it's sort of like the F1, like Formula One format where it's a travel-based model. So we have eight teams in the league and we travel to a different city every weekend. And then each team will play one game in that city. It's really, really cool. I mean, we had... Over the 13 games we had, I think we had about seven sold-out venues. Obviously, we played Gillette for our quarterfinals, where the Patriots play, and we had one side pull. Right. So, yeah. On that yet, but they do a good job of picking smaller venues and creating that pro-sport atmosphere. It was really, really cool. I mean, took a little bit to adjust to that, to I mean, being swarmed by kids, asking for autographs. Yeah. But it's really cool what the PLL is doing regarding growing the sport. How long do games take? And I'm going somewhere with this. Like what and I get it, like I'm not sure if there's commercials coming in, how it's streaming, but how long are the PLL games taking? And how long is a college game? I think it's pretty similar, at least for us. I don't have to say I mean we get a lot of televised ESPN games. Yeah. Big Ten network. Yeah, exactly. So we would have many timeouts. And that's sort of like what the PLL is like. Obviously there was more with the Premier Cross League. So college is probably like an hour and a half. PLL is probably like two hours. Okay. So soccer is a big one, right? So soccer, now you wake up in the morning so you can watch Premier League, right? You have Champions League, you're going to have World Cup coming up. Soccer takes two hours. That's it. Like give or take maybe a few minutes. It might take two hours and 10 minutes. There's something, and Nate, you and I have talked about this with football and especially college football, even the NFL, these games take forever. I mean, we're looking four, four and a half hours for some of these games. And especially if you take an Ohio State team who's scoring basically on seemingly every drive. I mean, these games, they're exciting, right? The team's good and you want to watch it, but it's an entire four-hour time slot you have to take up with tons of timeouts and tons of commercials. And I think there's, to your point, about 10, 15 years where we're going... As you've seen, like time is super important for everybody right now, like more so than it ever been because there's so much consumption. There's so much opportunity to do any travels easier. Who wants to take four hours of time out of your day to watch it? No different golf's taking a backlash to this because it could take a five hour round, right? We had Kepka talking about like who wants to go out there for four and a half, five hours if you have a family, if you have other things you have to do, if you have business. So soccer being two hours, it's like, well, I can do that. Right, I can go watch a lacrosse game because I'm still getting my sports fix. I'm still watching incredible athletes perform at their highest level versus, well, I don't want to be here for four and a half hours. I get it, right? You're consuming more beer. There's more things to do. And football is just so massive. But I think that is where a huge opportunity is for a lot of these sports, soccer, lacrosse. But Nate, like when I talk to people who have been in football and played sports and are just extremely biased towards that, they'll even say, these games take way too long, Nate. So I don't know like what you think about that. 
No, the games take way too long. And even this past weekend, I'm a Cleveland Browns fan. So, man, the game was forever, right? And yeah. we ended up losing at the end. But why are you throwing the ball on third down when you just kicked the field? I don't want to talk about <laughs> it. I shouldn't have even brought it up, if I'm being honest. But even the Ohio State-Michigan State game this past weekend, I think the game started at four. And it was like five o'clock. And it was still 13 seconds left in the first quarter. Yeah. And I was like, yo, like this is the longest game that yeah. has ever been played. So, I was driving back to Canada and then Thanksgiving this weekend, so I went back. But uh-huh. I was driving home Saturday when the fuck guys were playing. I was like pissed off. I'm like, I'm gonna miss this game. Like, are you kidding me? I get home, it's the second quarter. Yeah. Like, what just happened? Like, why did it take so long for yeah. this the this quarter to go over? But yeah, I mean, the game. It's too long. I mean, I get it because of media and you have to make sure that you're got those commercials going because that's part of the revenue. And I think eventually, especially when lacrosse continues to grow, I think the games are probably going to last a little bit longer because of the more media timeouts and things like that. But yeah, I think a lot of people are just kind of getting tired of these longer games. They want to see something that's more fast paced and not just that, but I think at least my experience, because I went to St. Edward High School, which is up in Cleveland, well, technically Lakewood, but I know we actually had a lacrosse team that was just started when I was there, and that was back 2003, 2004, right? And that team has grown. Like, lacrosse is definitely growing, because I think a lot of kids are either kind of shying away from football, or they're like, hey, I don't necessarily want to do soccer anymore. So they're like going to lacrosse. And I've also seen kids who don't necessarily want to play football. They've kind of gone towards rugby. So I think there's a lot of different sports that are starting to grow, at least here in Ohio. So I would not be surprised if lacrosse begins to take off even more. I mean, I don't understand the game, but I'll watch it if it's on, if that makes sense, because I'm trying to get it. I totally agree. Totally agree with everything you just said. I mean, especially in the States right now, every single person knows what football is. Right. And I talked to people. I've never talked to someone who didn't enjoy going or watching a professional lacrosse game. <laughs> and they said very similar things to what you said. And I don't understand all the rules, but it's very fun to watch. It's fast. It's very action filled. But there's still a, a probably a huge percentage in America alone that doesn't know what lacrosse is. <laughs> like I've been in Ubers. I'm like going back and forth in the airport. They're like, why are you here? I'm like, oh, I'm playing lacrosse. I play in the professional league. And people are like, oh, what's that? I'm like, all right, I'm not, not going to try and explain it to you right now. But <laughs> it just makes you realize that it's not as big as, as a lot of people think. But hopefully it is going to continue to grow. Yeah. Do you think it's more of a, like a generational thing? Like older people that are like, hey, what's lacrosse? Yeah. Compared to younger? Okay, that makes sense. know what it is. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm about to say, because I know now I feel like in the fall or in the spring, I'm constantly seeing kids playing lacrosse, especially here in Columbus. Like, I feel like I'm driving and there's always kids out there playing lacrosse. So I think it's on its way up. It's growing fast. There's a regional thing. Like you talk about hockey before. So being in Buffalo, Mm -hmm. it's like there's hockey rinks. People are outside playing street hockey all the time. I come down here and I want to put the game on. And they're like, I don't even know what I'm looking at. Like you said, blue line, red line, like I can't follow the puck. And so then I remember the Sabres, it was 06, we're playing the Hurricanes in the Eastern Conference Finals. And this is like, this is the Sabres chance to be the only other team in Buffalo wins a championship besides the Buffalo Bandits lacrosse team. And they lost to the Hurricanes in game seven. 
And it was so frustrating because it's like, they just got their team, right? Like they took them from Hartford, Connecticut. They just got their team. And a lot of people there didn't even truly understand the game of hockey, but they loved it, right? And it's quick, right? It's two and a half hours about games are over and it's super fast paced. But there is that thing of like, people just didn't understand it. But now you go, like my youngest daughter's playing hockey. Every single year, there's more people. And it's the same thing with lacrosse. It's like an exposure thing, I believe, that like just grab a stick. And I think this goes like kind of what you were saying with your parents that just in that you just try all the sports. And I think that's a big thing. And in football, you know, a lot of kids are growing up like you're going to play football, but that's also changing. We're seeing all these head injuries. I mean, Chris Olave this week. I mean, this stuff's scary out there and it could happen in lacrosse too. And you could talk about that, but we don't know what kids want to play or try, but try it all. But I think there's this big push by parents to say, the best chance you have of getting a division one scholarship or what have you, or going professional is to play this sport and let's specialize in this sport. I mean, so you are both two high level athletes and like slightly different years going into college. But what do you guys think is like with youth sports? Because I've seen it from a parent's perspective recently as to like what happens on the field, like the good and the really, really bad. I mean, there's some really bad stuff that's going on out there. And the pushing of parents to like, you have to do this or we have to win this game or it's like the end of everything. But I think you guys see where I'm getting at. So I'll let you take it where you want. I'll take on the football piece. And again, I am also biased when I say this, but in youth sports, I mean, these kids are actually like really, really good now. Like looking at how these kids are actually like specializing at such an early age and seeing what they're doing at the ages of six, seven and eight. Like I wasn't doing that. I'm just going to be honest with you. I mean, I was clearly good enough to play the game, but like what these kids are doing now, it's crazy. But with that being said, I don't know, man. I feel like just with the head injuries and everything that's going on, and again, this is Nate's opinion. Me personally, I think more kids should start off doing like flag football if they're going to do anything. Just because if you go and watch these games, like these kids are literally just running into each other and both of them are getting hurt. Because they don't know how to control their bodies, right? So yep. I think there's that piece. I feel like there's, like you said, the good, the bad, and the ugly. A lot of these parents are fighting coaches. And unfortunately, in certain situations, like, there was a coach, I believe, that was killed down in Texas after a fight that broke out on the field. But these parents are getting so upset because of an outcome of a game or a coach didn't run a certain play. It's starting to turn ugly. Like, I'm sorry, but your five or six or seven-year-old child is not going to earn a football scholarship this Saturday at all. And there's other things that you should probably focus on other than sports like this heavy. Like, how are their grades? You know what I mean? There's other things that like STEM kids, get them in STEM programs. Like, there's other things that you can be doing. So I don't know, man. Football is different. And maybe that's because I'm seeing all the ugly, the ugly side of it. But I, I just feel like you sports as far as that piece it's not really going in the right direction, in my opinion. But then you look at basketball, and I just saw like a highlight of these two kids in a game, and they were talking trash like like I would. And they're like <laughs> seven or eight years old. And uh, I want to say Damon uh, Lillard actually uh, responded to it and said, you know, professionals, we have to do a better job because these kids think this is what the game is about. You know what I mean? So like, there's so many different yeah. angles that you can take on this, but like as professionals and or collegiate athletes, we have to do a better job on making sure we're setting a better example. But even as a youth athlete, you have to understand, like just play the game, understand the game, feel free to go out there and compete, 
but understand like you're not going to earn a scholarship right then and there. You know what I mean? Like still have fun with it, but also there are other sports that you can play outside of football that can earn you a scholarship or earn you an opportunity. So with that, I will yield and go over to Justin. I actually saw a tweet this morning that kind of kind of relates to this. And it was, it was like, if your goal as a youth coach is to win games and not teach young kids how to actually play the game, you're doing something wrong. And I, I think that relates perfectly to this because specifically for lacrosse, the youth market right now is so saturated. There's so much specialization going on where kids will stick to lacrosse at six years old and just play lacrosse. And that makes other parents freak out. Like, oh my God, my kid's not practicing lacrosse every day of the year. He's going to fall behind. I just don't think that's the case. I'm a big believer that burnout is a real thing. I mean, I've experienced it throughout my career, like on our college team at Ohio State. Like, burnout is a real thing. And that's when people fall out of love for the game and they don't really care for it anymore. And I feel like that's a big factor when you specialize that young. I mean, playing different sports year round can really improve your game. Like in so many different aspects, whatever sport you're playing. Right. And, but yeah, I just don't agree that you should be specializing that young at all. And that's, that's the case right now. It's people have fall, winter, spring, summer teams. They go to clinics for every single team like three times a week it's bad yeah like i just said stress the other parents other parents start putting their kids in one sport yeah mm-hmm. yeah and i think you have other examples because i know let's go with urban meyer like they made this big thing of like everyone that he recruited or at least the all-stars or whatever that he recruited they would say that they were two or three sport athletes in high school right and then even uh with aaron judge they just show that he was like all state and football, basketball, as well as baseball. So like, I think they're showing examples of like, hey, if you want a scholarship and or if you want to be great, like it's okay to play multiple sports. You don't have to specialize in one. I think a lot of the times, at least now, people are going away from that, which is kind of weird because when we were growing up, we saw these athletes like the Bo Jacksons and the Deion Sanders and even Michael Jordan, even though they try to make fun of him because of baseball, but regardless, we saw athletes that were doing multiple things. So the whole specialization thing is, it's a new thing. And I I totally get it because you want your kid to be the best, but at the same time. It's so outcome driven. Yeah. Like you can learn different skills doing other things. Yeah. If this outcome of like getting a D1 scholarship, like you said, like you're not getting one this Saturday, how about you might never get one, right? I mean, there's so many aspects to it. And I talk to a lot of different people in like recruiting in college and they're like very few people get to choose their dream school. Like perhaps I'm talking to two individuals that did, I don't know. But like if you're a quarterback and you want to play for Ryan day at Ohio state, like there's only one spot and that's taken this year. And then it's like the best kid in the country from Arizona is going to Ohio in a couple of years. And he's the only one that's going to get to do it. And it's just, there's so select few positions that exist when like what happened with just enjoying, like, like you said, Justin, like just go out there and learn the game, enjoy the game. And it's almost like some kids don't even want to try. Like, I think a huge thing for lacrosse is getting more kids to show up at the field that have no idea what it is to even, how do you even hold a lacrosse stick? How do I cradle it? Where do I run? How do I pass it to like those kids need to learn how to do it? Cause you don't know when the next great one shows up. 
but like you just have an enjoyment of the game. You have fans and they learn who the Justins of the world are, right? And I think you need more and more of that, of like opportunities to just show up and play the game. Football too, basketball, hockey, soccer, it doesn't matter. And then to diversify yourself. I remember an interview Clayton Kershaw gave. He's like, play point guard in basketball. Go play shortstop. Go play soccer goalie. Like try it all. I noticed with my son even, who's a soccer goalie, when he was like a little younger, it was an aggressive thing because you got to go out there and you got to get the ball. And you got, when he played basketball and he had to go in the paint and he had to go get the ball that was up high and had to get rebounds, like that made him more aggressive on the soccer field. And that wasn't soccer training. But anyway, like, I just think there's so much of a focus on this ultimate outcome. We're like, what are my odds of getting a scholarship? It's like, I don't know. Like, if that happens, maybe that's great. Maybe you don't even want it because I've seen a lot of kids get scholarships, go to school and say, I don't want to play anymore. I'm done. And you guys could probably talk about this. Like maybe it's all it's cracked up to be in college and in some regards and other regards it is. So, I mean, carry on with that. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it just depends. Everyone's situation is different, right? Like I knew for me growing up in Cleveland, I knew my only way out was to play sports, yep. period. And it kept me out of trouble. Like just was saying, like I have to go and do something or else I'm going to get into something else that is going to get me in trouble. So, I mean... <laughs> It just depends on the situation, yep. right? Deion Sanders just talked about or put a post up the other day where he said he didn't need motivation because his mom was working two or three different jobs. So like his motivation was, I don't want my mom to work anymore. So I'm going to do what I have to do in order for her not to be able to do that anymore. So it depends on the motivation. It depends on the circumstance. And for the students or athletes or whoever it is that are listening to this podcast, we're not saying you shouldn't have getting a scholarship as like one of your goals. Like it definitely should be one of your goals, but we're saying have fun within the process because if your goal is just to get that scholarship and you don't understand the process and or love the process, <laughs> once you get that scholarship and then you're on that level to where, hey, we awarded you a scholarship and now you have to do X, Y, and Z. If you never fell in love with that process, you're probably most likely going to be the one that said, you know what? I don't want to play anymore. This is too hard. And football, I've always said this, football is way too hard of a game to play if you don't love it. And I'm assuming, because I did not play lacrosse, but regardless of what sport it is, lacrosse is probably way too hard for you to play if you don't love it. So keep on doing that. Obviously, keep your goals ahead of you. But, I mean, have fun with it at the same time. Yeah, I'm going to reiterate a lot of what you just said. But at five and six years old, I was in thinking about getting a scholarship, right? And, and a lot of parents, days and age, are like, oh, my kid needs to get a scholarship at that age. So they have all this external pressure on themselves. There's a lot of internal pressure when you're going through that process, getting recruited, seeing other kids commit for you, and just having that pressure from your parents as well. Is, I just don't think it's healthy. And I had, like my dad, my dad's goal was never to get, get me a scholarship. It was like to have fun, enjoy the game, and if you want to pursue it, pursue it. Well, that's your decision. I'm very grateful for him and the relationship we have. And I fell in love with it. I mean, I went through that little situation I mentioned earlier, realized I wanted to play. So I worked my butt off and we got to a point where like, I want to be the best. I don't want to just like get to college. I want to be the best. Like in high school, and I was, I'm a face-off guy that's a specialized position in cross. And I was the number one face-off guy in my class going to college. So incoming freshman. But Going off of what Nate said, too, it's I got to college and I'm like, all right, we made it. 
like I'm like I made it. Like I put in all this work. I finally made it, and then I just my freshman year was tough because I was like, all right, I'm gonna have fun. Like I had this little ego to me too, and I was better than than the other guys on the team, and it was bad. I was like, it was a real eye opener. I think when I got to college, I'm like, damn, I'm not the big fish in a small pond. No, I'm at the Ohio State University, like playing against the best guys in the country. And I got to a point, I think, around November. My coach, Nick Meyer, was trying to definitely try to humble me. And I'm, I'm grateful that he did, but we were just butting heads a lot. And I got to November, I'm like, calling my mom. I'm like, I want to come home. I don't know if I can do this. And I was the number one recruit in my position coming into college. And my mom's like, You worked your whole life for this. Like, are you sure you're like, just take some time? And I really, really like had a deep reflection after that. I'm like, you know what? I'm like, I don't want to just sit on the bench here. I want to play and make an impact. So I started putting my head down, didn't say anything, just started working. Go in for extra work for like three hours a day after my classes. And, and just like I put in that work and by the season it paid off. Um, I think three or four games I started starting and had a lot of success. But I'm just grateful for everyone in my life, my mom, Coach Myers, and people that made me realize how much I did love this game. And like you just said, if you don't love it, it's going to be very, very hard for you to succeed and really pursue it at this level. Yeah, man. And it's funny. I want to say it was last week. We had Solomon on. We kept saying just about Ohio State, like, everybody is good. Like, you may have been All-State, All-American, whatever it may be. But as soon as you get there, guess what? Every single person had every single title D1, D2, it doesn't matter. They were all state. They were all American. They were everything. So it's frustrating when you first get there and you're like, yo, I feel like I'm better than everybody else. But I'm kind of finding out that maybe I'm not. (laughs) Then you're like, yo, okay, I feel like I'm working hard, but these guys are still fighting or pushing me. And then you're butting heads with the coaches. And that's the piece that, you know, athletes or at least the young athletes don't hear. Like they think, oh, he got a scholarship here. So everything was great. I mean, yeah, but no one talks about the after. Mm-hmm. And if I'm being honest, no one has something set up to talk about that with these youth athletes. So it's like, just because you earned that scholarship, great. Good job. Yeah. That's step one. But guess what? You have to start all the way over again. And you got to do everything again. So like, I think the goal is for you to be the best at your position, which you should be, right? And you love the game. Understand, once you go to that next level, there are other people who were the best at their positions, who love the game, who are also there that you're going to be competing against. And it can really mess with your mental, for sure. I mean, you already said that you were on your way home, basically, in November. I remember calling my mom <laughs> during fall camp in 2007, and she like heard in my voice. She was like, hey, what's going on? Is something wrong? And I said, Ma, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't even know if I know how to play football at this point because everything I thought I knew, I guess I didn't know. So it was like real humbling. So I'm like, yo, like I was literally just able to function and play the game that I knew how to play that I loved a certain way last year, which was my senior year in high school. And now all of a sudden, it's a whole new system. It's a whole brand new coach. And everybody's very good. And I'm like, yo, I don't even know if I know how to play football for real. You know what I mean? But it's one of those things where you just humble yourself and you go out there and you just put your head down and you work and eventually things do pay off. But yeah, a lot of these young athletes don't realize that it's real tough once you first start. Yeah. That's for sure. 
Yeah. The mental health that we saw in athletes and sports really became something that people were talking about during COVID, right? Like we saw it with the Olympics and then we've seen it and it's become a topic that people are actually talking about and athletes are sharing what their experience was like to be the number one in your position to say like, I think I'm done. I don't want to be here anymore. Can I come home type of thing or what you're saying, Nate? And probably those conversations were like some of the most important conversations you ever had related to your sports career at Ohio State. Because without like opening up and sharing those feelings, it's like, how do you deal with that? Like, there's no other way to do it except communicating with someone about how you're actually feeling. And it's so interesting that, like you said, oh, you got your scholarship, you're at Ohio State, like your experience should be amazing. Like, what's wrong with you? It's like, well, you don't get to decide what someone else's experience is. It's like, if someone's a movie star and they live in LA, you think they have it all. And it turns out just like, my gosh, I didn't know they were an alcoholic. They were depressed. They had no friends. They stayed at home. It's like, you thought they were just out partying every night and everything was perfect. And it's like, well, that wasn't the case at all. And, you know, we're seeing this athletes because we just assume that everything's perfect, right? Everything's good. Maybe they lost a game, but they get over it. They're making money. They have a scholarship, whatever that they have. It's probably easier now, like at some universities, there's going to be staff that's going to help with that. There's going to continue to be more staff, I think. And we're working with a lot of people in athlete mental health that are going to support that. But did you see that at your time? I mean, Nate, it's like, you know, maybe like a decade apart, but it wasn't really talked about probably when you were playing and maybe more so when you were Justin. I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I was raised in the generation that came up in the generation of stop being soft suck it up, you'll be fine. Which I'm sure Justin experienced as well, but it was just different back then. Yeah. Like... Which is crazy, because you say back then, it wasn't that long ago, but I know what you mean. It wasn't, but like, you weren't allowed to talk about it. Because if you did, you were just being soft, or you were being a baby. But people don't realize, like, at least I'll share this example, and I'm sure Justin has an example. Because of these feelings of mental health or not feeling like you wanted to play anymore. Like I experienced that, especially after I had like a a pinched nerve in my neck in 2009. And if someone bumped into me, like literally my whole left side of my body would go numb. So for a while there, I wasn't playing. I couldn't practice anything like that. And I was like, man, I don't even know if I want to play anymore if this is what it's doing to my body, right? And eventually my body got better, but I held on to that. I don't know if I want to play anymore for like a year and some change, right? And regardless of what I was doing, going to practice, going to the weight room, I just could not mentally get over this hurdle. And it got to a point in my redshirt senior year, after a spring practice, I actually had a conversation with Coach Tressel and basically told him everything that was going on. And from that one conversation and him just kind of giving me information back and basically saying, hey, I just want the kid that I recruited out of St. Ed's. Like that right there, like changed everything for me. I was like lights out in the rest of the spring. And then unfortunately, Coach Trestle had to resign. But like that one conversation shifted everything mentally for me. And that was back in what, 2011, 2010. And looking back on it, I'm kind of like, man, what would have happened if I would have had a conversation like that back in 2009 when I was actually injured? You know, what would happen in 2010 season? Or the 11th season, like, I don't know, right? But if I would have had those combos, I do know I would have been able to actually play the game more and better and at a higher level because this mental block was then gone. But yeah, like, mental health is something, (laughs) at least back then, it was just like, yo, you're just being soft. Don't be a baby. Like, don't talk about it. Everything was fine. But in reality, everything wasn't. But 
Justin, I know you were younger than me. So I'm assuming that they had people on staff for you, or at least yeah. it was made available for you guys. So they did. A little backstory. So I came in, I had a broken wrist, actually. Like, for, I think, beginning of summer. So I was recovering when I first got to Ohio State. And just like you, Nate, I mean, injuries suck. Especially when you're like watching, you have to go to the field, you have to go to practices, workouts, you can't do anything. So that's already like a mental drag on you. And then at that time, I was bio pre med. So college athletics is a full time job. Football is probably a whole different level compared to other sports, but even cross, it's tough. You're there for like three, four hours a day. And if you want to go watch film, come back, get extra work, whatever it is, it takes a lot. And with your academic schedule and then everything else going on in your life, it, it adds a very big mental toll on you. But I am grateful. I mean, there was still kind of a stigma around mental health at that point. They, Ohio State did offer support psychologists, which I'm grateful for. I got offered to go plenty of times for my like total breakdown. And then once I was like, all right, I'm coming home. So after talking to my mom, talking to my trainer who I had a very, very close relationship with. And she was like a mother figure down here because my mom was in, in a different country. She was like, Justin, I think you should meet with a sports psychologist. And I'm like, okay, I'll try that. And it made such a difference. I was embarrassed to speak about how I was feeling with anyone else, like all the stress that I, I was feeling. And being able to talk to someone, let it all out, it made such a difference. I met with him weekly for a good portion of my career here. And at first I was embarrassed to say that. Now I'm not because I realize how important that is to let it out and speak to someone, get help when you need it. But yeah, so I'm grateful that they offer that. They have three sports psychologists on staff right now. They offer all the athletes here. And it doesn't make a difference. I mean, I have a bunch of buddies who would go all the time. As a guy, I mean, girls are a little different. I think they can talk feelings more, but as guys, we're very uncomfortable and speaking about that kind of stuff so having someone like that it's meant a lot and it did a lot for me that's for sure yeah i almost wish with athletes it was like a requirement you know what i mean almost like you're required to get a certain amount of workouts in or whatever it may be like i feel like i wish that it was set up to where you were scheduled to go and see the doc regardless of how you're feeling regardless of what you say you could be saying you're great you can be saying i'm not so great whatever it may be, I feel like there should be a requirement to actually go and see. And I think that if it was, I would love to see studies on like performance to what was happening before compared to afterwards so that colleges, I mean, there could be studies already out there. I don't know. But for me, I'd be curious to see what those studies would look like as far as performance, mm-hmm. both on the field and off the field after they made those visits. Because that mental piece is, is huge because if someone's dealing with depression or not feeling like they are good enough in football, that means they're going to go somewhere else and cope with it. And maybe that's drug use, maybe that's alcohol use, or maybe that's just them running around and sleeping it away, if that makes sense at all. I mean, it's a podcast. I'll just keep it a buck. Maybe it's them going and having sex with whoever and whenever, because that's just their way of coping with feeling like they're not good enough in a certain area. So I'd be curious to see that. And then also to see if drug use and or alcohol use actually goes down afterwards. Yeah. The fact that you all are talking about this and more athletes are talking about it. And Justin, you're helping 
train young athletes. And I want to talk about that as it relates to when you're training a play, a young player on the field and they're now being brought up in a different environment to say, it's okay to share like, oh, I'm not starting this week. That bothers me, right? Like a 15-year-old might say that, or this just happened at school, or my grades aren't good, or my dad just yelled at me, or I'm afraid that I'm going to get hit. And what does that mean? Like, because now we're starting to check. I don't know, right? But you sharing your experiences and then them sharing theirs and to hear from what even what you were just saying, Nate, it's okay to have that and to have those conversations with people. And there's more access to them than ever before. And people are you know, we have Michael Phelps, you have Kevin Love, and there's a lot of different athletes that are talking about this now to where it becomes more of a, like you said, I think that's a great idea. Like it should be a requirement in some ways, but maybe it's just the fact that everyone's having these conversations makes it more available. But Justin, with you and training young athletes, if you're on the field with someone for an hour or your trainers are, inevitably they're going to have those conversations and go into that youth sports thing. Like, yeah, there's the specialization aspect of it, but it is really cool that there's so much or so many people available to get training from in your sport and to try new sports to say, hey, I maybe I am afraid to go to that practice with 15 other people, but I can do a one-on-one session with someone. Maybe that's my door opener to lacrosse. But in all of that, like talk about the type of conversations maybe that you're having in the field and getting into the startup world that you're in right now and helping because I think it's a great idea. So take that how you like. Yeah. I'll start from the beginning. I'll talk about my experiences on both sides of lessons and training because when I was younger, I was obviously looking for and participating in private lessons, group sessions, clinics, all that stuff. And what I found when I was younger is there was no real efficient way to connect with trainers in your area. Like you could Google lacrosse lessons, right? For me specifically, it was based off lacrosse lesson. And things would be coming up that are like eight, ten. 11 hours away from where I'm at. And again, I'm talking about my parents, but I'm very grateful my dad is willing to travel eight hours for a lacrosse clinic for me, you know? And I'm sure, like, looking back on it, there was guys who were playing my position that lived in the next town over 30 minutes from me who were very knowledgeable, had a lot of success, and I could just train with them. And I wish that was available when I was younger. And as I got to the end of my high school career, and college, I was hosting these private lessons, you know, and it was usually like someone in the community reaching out to me, like, hey, can you train my son? Or it was like someone reaching out on Instagram, DMing me, like, hey, I'm in this area, like, can you travel or we can travel to you and, and do lessons. And at that point, there's like, like all my teammates, a bunch of them were posting on their stories, like posting private lessons, like DM me if interested, we can them up. So I'm like, there's got to be a different way to really do that. And talking about that, how like all my college teammates were hosting lessons, it's very impactful for these young kids. Like they look up to these guys, play every weekend, watch their games, and be trained by them and have that much of an impact on their lives is very impactful, I think. And just like you can do a lot of we're just saying. Like they can have those deep conversations, like it's okay to not start stick to the process. Stick the process; it will all turn out all good, right? And that was my thought too. It's like we need a platform that could connect these youth athletes to these collegiate slash pro guys who are willing to to host these lessons and train them, teach them all these valuable techniques. 
right? And that's how I actually created the team. So I was a bio pre-med major, right? My whole plan was to go to med school. During COVID, I was like, all right, what do I really want to do this? Do I really want to go to med school, go to residency, become a surgeon? Long story short, it wasn't for me, right? I knew that wasn't going to provide me with happiness. I wanted to be involved in sports. I wanted to do something good in the world. And that's why I was so driven to medicine because I could really, really have an impact on these people's lives. But now I'm like, all right, very passionate about sports. I can do good here. So sort of expanding my horizons. And I went through an internship at the Center for Innovation Strategies here at Ohio State, actually, for my junior year going to my senior year summer. And through this internship, I was going through kind of an accelerated program. My whole responsibility was to find a problem within sports and create a solution. It was like an eight-week condensed program. It was, and I've had this thought before, so I'm like, oh, this is perfect. I can validate this idea. So through this eight-week program, you know, I reached out to like 200 different people in like five different buckets, current players, current coaches, equipment companies, media companies, and youth organizations. And the biggest problem I found after like mining through all that data was youth athletes need more accessible coaching resources, right? And on the opposite side of things, it was like those college slash pro slash high school kids need a platform to promote themselves and, and connect with these youth athletes and be like, hey, I'm in your area. Like, come for me. So after that accelerator program, I created a company called Reps. And Reps was like across the Pacific. It was pretty much going to connect kids for private group lessons. They can host their camps, clinics, and uh, connect players in the area that they can practice with. So it was a very, very unique platform. And it got to a point where I was working on it for like a year already at this point. I had a co-founder. Long story short, I split ways with that co-founder. But it was like on the verge of like being really successful. I had a bunch of partnerships lined up. And then we made the NCAA tournament for lacrosse. And my coach is like, Justin, we need you all in right now. I'm like, all right, I can do that. I'm like, put that on the back burner. And then right after the NCAA tournament, I got drafted. I had to go to training camp for lacrosse. So I'm like, all right, you know, like focus on my career right now. Like, we'll get back to it. And then after, like, during my pro season, I was like working on it. And then I see a company called Talent Share. And Mark Fleming created this platform doing the exact same thing, but for every sport. And he had like 13 or 14 Ohio State student athletes on the advisory sport council to give them feedback, stuff like that. I was going through. His website, and so me and him have had talks in the past. Like he like reached out to Coach Myers about the idea. Coach Myers introduced him to me. This was like last fall. And I was just like telling him about reps. I was hoping he heard the best, but he's like, "Yeah, like I started this thing." I was like, "Okay, cool." So we had many conversations throughout that point, and then I see he started this talent share thing, and we told him, "I'm like, hey, instead of competing, would you rather just work together?" Because he's, he's a very successful business guy. I mean, he sold a company for a lot of money. So he has his experience. He's invested in other different companies as well. So I was like, you know what? It would be very beneficial for, for myself personally so I can learn the business aspects of things. Because I minor in business. That's the only thing I did. So I'm rambling on here. But pretty much, I was like, hey, I'd rather work together rather than compete for the same market. Because I'm like, I will be very successful across market. But I would want I want to make this impact and help this thing grow for all athletes and have the same impact for everyone. So 
basically your the acquired reps decide to work together and it's going very well. I mean, we have 30 coaches on the platform right now, mainly from Ohio State. I think there's an average of three or four coaches for every sport. So it's going very well. And right now we're just starting up, right? We're trying to market ourselves to the youth organizations around here and get these young kids on the platform because we know the impact that it can have. That it can have. Like I just talked about with these kids, with these college athletes, training these young kids and teaching them such valuable lessons. Yeah. I think it's awesome. I think it's also, like you said, there's this platform, there's a, there's a benefit to the college athlete as well to then engage with these people. And then maybe like the lesser known sports, like we can say that all of a sudden they're going to develop these relationships with these kids that become fans. And it's like a marketplace where everyone it's positive. Some everyone can win in that environment. And it's a chance to just be out on the field or on the court or wherever that is even more and connecting to sides. I mean, I think it benefits the college athlete in the regard that yes, for the relationship aspect, 100%. But also with name, image, and likeness, they can really brand themselves, promote their lessons. Yeah. Like, right? Absolutely. When I was at the beginning of college, like freshman, sophomore, even junior, it was like, I was trying to host these camps back home in Canada. And I would talk to compliance here. I'm like, hey, can, are we able to do this? Like I sent them like the flyer that this club team was going to make, have me as like a coach for face-offs. And she's like, no, you can't use you can't use your image, you can't use your name. They can say a college athlete. They can't say Ohio State. They can say a college athlete will be here helping. <laughs> I was like, huh? I was like, damn. Because I know how better I could be for just like a financial aspect. Because sure. non-revenue sports like lacrosse, like field hockey, like those sports aren't getting the name image like the steals, like football and basketball are getting, right? <laughs> 100, 200, 500000 dollars So it just like it helps them with their that financial burden too. With these smaller sports, not everyone's getting a full ride. Right. So rather than busing tables at a country club, like it's not a reserve or something like that, which a lot of athletes do, making $15 an hour, they can be making $50, $75, $100 an hour doing something that they love and leaving this lasting impression on these good athletes. Yeah. So well said. That's dope. I was actually going to ask you about how the platform will work with NIL. And if, depending on the athlete or whoever's promoting it, how big it can actually get. So I know you said like lesser sports aren't really getting that kind of money, right? They might get a couple thousand here or maybe their food's paid for or whatever it may be. But what if you run into someone who, I don't know, what are kids using nowadays? TikTok. And they have all these followers on TikTok and then Instagram. And all of a sudden, those NIL deals are now starting to follow them wherever they go and say they sign up for reps or talent share slash reps, right? And they're hosting a camp. Now, all of a sudden, there's more exposure and maybe NIL or whatever company decides to do a deal with this athlete, maybe they're like, hey, I think there's something here when it comes to youth sports, especially in lacrosse. Hey, let's talk. I feel like there's a lot of opportunity for that. Or even having someone like, let's say it's CJ Stroud. And obviously, I don't think CJ Stroud played lacrosse, but I'm just going to use him as this example. Because if you have a player like that, that kind of status who, say in high school, they played lacrosse, and then all of a sudden they're like, hey, I still like lacrosse and I kind of want to host a lacrosse camp. I think that can help it grow too, because one of the biggest, I guess, lacrosse people that I know, 
like a famous person would be like, I know Jim Brown originally played lacrosse over at Syracuse. And I think, I want to say they changed the rules on how I think cradling because of him or something like that. So those things are huge. So I think it's a, definitely a great opportunity for you guys. I appreciate you guys saying that. Yeah, we definitely have talked about getting these big time like partners and sponsors to really sponsor like an event like that where we get a bunch of kids in the community. And like we talked about earlier as well, it's the fact that these kids don't want to come out to practices because they don't know how to cradle. They don't know how to pass. So if we could do something like that for all sports, like beginner level with these big partners where they don't have to pay, we can just get the, all these kids on the platform registered for this free camp. I think it really benefit the sport community and grow every game, field hockey, cross, whatever it is. We want, we definitely want to have that impact in the community as well. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I look at uh, people like we had Nate Abner on our team, on a football team, and he was a rugby guy. Like he was like almost like an all American in rugby and walked on to play football at Ohio State and ended up getting drafted by the Patriots in the sixth round. And I believe he's still in the NFL right now. I want to say he's with the Giants. I could be wrong though. But then the Patriots always are drafting someone who plays another sport. I feel like like Nate got drafted. He was a rugby guy. I think a few years later, I'm not too sure if the receiver's still on the team, but I know that guy, he was a lacrosse guy. He was a lacrosse, I think, All-American in college, maybe, and then was playing receiver for the Patriots. So I think there's a lot of different crossover for that. Yeah, I'll definitely Chris Hogan, like, yeah, went to the, he played the PLL for a year, like, made one of the teams. I think that might have been a PR stunt. <laughs> but it's cool seeing that correlation between the two. Yeah. Man, this is good stuff. We appreciate it. You're obviously a big Ohio State football fan as well. You're traveling up and listen, trying to get the Michigan State game. So you started 17. You've seen a little bit of changeover, right? You got Ryan Day there. That was probably like your sophomore year that that whole change happened. And we didn't know what we were going to make of it. Now we got this offense out there. I don't know what you make of this. I don't know, like Nate and I were talking about, it's like sometimes they're handing the ball off 30 yards down the field. (laughs) But they're running the ball, Nate. I mean, they just got to have one of them healthy. Yeah, just need one. I mean, at this point, Hayden's running very well. So, just need one running back healthy. I mean, I could be tripping, but I'm pretty sure I saw Xavier Johnson at yeah. running back yeah, yeah. on Saturday. I was like, yo, yeah, he's a wide receiver. And I'm like, yo, I don't, I didn't even know he could play running back. But yeah, yeah, we're gonna see. I mean, we got this week off. Hopefully, we can get some guys healthy leading into Iowa. So, I'm excited for it. Is this the year, Justin? Hope so. <laughs> what was it two years ago? I was celebrating on High Street, and it was going to be our year. And then it was very disappointing. Yeah. <laughs> was that Alabama? And that was think, a championship game, or? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I mean, Justin Fields was hurt. They had a bunch of guys miss that game. But Bama was just different. <laughs> yeah, that was a different was team. Gonna be closer than what it was, but I also was like, that was a COVID year. You had ten guys not showing up. I mean, there you go again with the sports. I mean, these disruptions that you have, and all of a sudden, like ten of your teammates aren't out there. I don't know if you guys dealt with it in lacrosse, where like you're playing a game, and all of a sudden guys aren't there because they had contact tracing, or I don't know what the rules were. Yeah, and only just for the game, it's like that. We mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you have some of your best guys. Because they're contact race. Yeah, that's crazy. And part of that was partly my fault, right? Because, you know, I was working at OSU at the time and 
I was actually on the like contact tracing team. Oh, so I had to make the calls oh. and like had to call certain athletes. And then they were, I think all the athletes were on a, a certain floor in the Blackwell anyway. But like we had to call and put them in the contact tracing. And it was, oh, it was all bad. That's not a good. Yeah. COVID was just a weird time. I'm <laughs> glad we're kind of on our way out of it. Yeah. If not out of it. So yeah, no, I agree with that. Totally agree. I think the last thing is when you guys are talking about NIL and you're talking about these collegiate athletes and Justin, you're hearing like the ideas that you're bringing to the table and all these other people at the university and just in sports, it's, there's a lot of energy and passion. And it's just like, you just created thousands of people who want to participate, thousands of entrepreneurs on these college campuses with very easy, like there's probably no better time to collaborate than when you're on a university's campus, right? And for the fact that you can, like you said, you don't have to bust tables, you can actually innovate maybe inside the sport or something related to the sport while you're there. Like this should have been a thing all along, right? This should have been happening. But of course, there's like so many other moving parts to it. The NCA is involved. And I'm sure you guys can speak for another hour about that topic. But we now have this like to where you're, you're like on podcast talking about these ideas that you were creating while you were like thinking through this while you're at school. And we need more of this because kids are showing up on campus. They're in high school and they're talking about these ideas. And you just have to give them the ability to do it. It doesn't mean that they're going to practice less lacrosse or practice less football. They're just involving their passion with something related to that that are going to help other people out. That's why these conversations are so important. So I just wanted to say that because I think it's just awesome. That's why we want to feature people like yourself and talk about these ideas and who knows where it goes like it did today. But yeah. And I I really hope that collegiate athletics, especially specifically from across the culture kind of changes because I mean, we have, I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with Mitchell Pelkey, but he plays on the team right now. He's content creator, YouTuber, just very, very well for himself. He's like one of the few non-revenue sport athletes who are taking advantage of name image and likeness. Yeah. He's got some big sponsorships. He's doing stuff for the Cheesecake Factory and getting, getting paid a decent So, I have a lot of respect for him, but in our locker room, guys are just like chirping him, like like kind of making fun of him for his videos and stuff. And like, then I came out with the reps, and guys started chirping me a little bit. And it's like, mm-hmm. guys are gonna like put you down for thinking out of the box and trying like you're vulnerable when you're like in that position, right? You're like, all right, I'm putting myself out there to see where this goes. It might not be successful, so I'm looking for another way to really like influence that culture and be like. You guys should do this. It's going to benefit yeah. you guys. It's going to benefit sport. Do great things, especially when you have so many resources at a school like Ohio State, right? Center of Entrepreneurship. At like on the alumni network, too. You can reach out to anyone and they'll be like, oh, you went to Ohio State? All right, cool. I want to help you out. Right? Yeah. You just not many people utilize all those things. And hopefully, as time goes on, people start realizing. It. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's. It's hard for student athletes to do that just because they're so consumed with sports, right? And we saw the same thing in the football locker room. I think it's just kind of guys just making fun of whatever they want because that's what we do, right? Not realizing that you have an opportunity of a lifetime. Even back then, we had an opportunity. But like right now, if you're not taking advantage of the fact that you go and play on Saturday or whatever day it is, you have this jersey, you have this influence, you have this network of people who literally will partner with you, help you out, whatever it may be, just because you play at the Ohio State University. If you're not taking advantage of it right now, it's over. Because as soon as you graduate, 
that power that you had. Yeah. Like you still have a little bit of the influence, but like it's gone. Like oh, people sure. aren't seeing you anymore. So it's like, oh well, there's new guys here, so I really don't care about you. Like Ohio State, well, really Columbus is like a weird city because you have a lot of the guys who played sports that stay in Columbus, right? So it's the only place that I've seen that you'll have at least I've literally watched Beanie Wells like walk down the street and most people are like, well, who's Beanie Wells? Well, I played, he running back obviously at Ohio State back when I was here, drafted by the Cardinals in the first round. But you'll see him walk down the street and like some people in Columbus like may not think, see this big guy, like, I don't know who that is. I don't necessarily recognize him, but they figure that he played sports, but they don't know exactly who he is. But then you'll have a running back that's currently on the team. They'll know everything about him. Not realizing that like, there's this great person sitting right here walking past you every single day, but you're not putting two two together because you're not seeing them on TV. So if these student athletes aren't taking advantage of it, they are losing out. Yeah. But maybe that's an opportunity for Justin to come through and say, hey guys, this is an opportunity for you. Take advantage of it. Use this platform. Let's promote whatever it may be. So I'm excited today. I'm actually going to the name image likeness slash career fair. That's dope. So I'll definitely let you guys know what kind of deals people are like, what kind of companies are there, and see how many people actually are there and how many actually utilize it. So, yeah. Well, I think just taking what you said like two minutes ago, and that's a clip, and that is heard by other athletes, like that type of content, that's what's needed, right? Like, here's a former lacrosse player, here's our former college lacrosse player, here's a professional lacrosse player. And here's his stance on this topic of putting yourself out there and doing these things. Because like you said, a lot of people aren't willing to do it or they're just of the mindset that I'm an athlete and I'm here and everyone else is kind of unnecessary to where like, you don't know what that other person can do. Like you, maybe you play professional football and that's the one buying Justin Fields jersey for his kid when he's older. Like, okay, there's a sale there, but there's so many other collaborative opportunities that exist in all of that. And it is, it's like anything else, right? There's people who've been in business for 30 years that, and I get it, right? I started a podcast. Like, what are we going to do? I have multiple podcasts. Like, what are we going to talk about? Like, who's going to listen? Who cares? And you have to go through all of that. And what does it mean? And like, your friends will laugh at you and make fun of you. And it's like, but that's the thing to lean against, right? That's the thing to push again. And like, Nate, people always told you, you should have a podcast. And then you do. And I'm sure you've heard all sorts of stuff like, man, why are you starting a podcast? And other people are actually genuinely really excited for it. So we all deal with it no matter what the age. And it's just so important to whatever that thing is, whether it's the starting a YouTube channel or creating a lacrosse business or a sports business or any type of thing, like it's putting yourself out there a little bit and trying to get past that point. Although, again, way easier said than done. Yeah. Well, limits a lot of people, I think, because people are too embarrassed to really deal with that ridicule of all those other teammates and friends. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. We're in a position to be in, but. That literally is what people are facing. They don't want to be made fun of or they're afraid to do something that's different or outside the box, not realizing that whatever idea that you had can be a million dollar business at one point, right? And I know this is back in the day, <laughs> but we actually wanted to start our own podcast while we were in school. It was like 2009. We met with uh, Tracy Stuck and a few different people in the Ohio Union. And we started a, a student organization called Strike the Mic, essentially. And we wanted to host podcasts, but also have cameras that kind of followed us throughout the day, followed us in practice. We wanted to have a camera that would come and interview us during a fall camp 
so we can talk about that whole process and this, that, the other. And people were making fun of us about it and like, oh, that'll never work. And now you look at it and it's what everyone does. Yeah. So like we already had the idea. We yeah. just weren't able to do it for many reasons. I mean, obviously compliance is yep. really the big issue right there. But yeah, man, I mean, you just got to be able to take advantage of those ideas when you have them. Yeah. And there's a lot of different ways to do it. Like you don't have to be front facing, right? Like you can be behind the scenes creating something. You can have a pseudonym and you can create something. There's a lot of different ways to put yourself out there. Yeah, man. This has been awesome. Justin, thank you. And yeah, definitely let us know how your conference goes. Let's stay in touch on your business. I'd love to learn more, you know, see where you're expanding to. I mean, we're here in Charlotte. I mean, it's just, there's constant, like there's fields, there's courts, it's like everywhere. There's a need for this, but thank you for like what you're doing and for spending time with us. I appreciate that. Thank you, both you guys, Nate. Thanks for having me on. had a great time talking to you guys. And yeah, wish you guys all the best. Yeah. Yeah, if you ever need anything from me, at least I can get you connected. I mean, use our Ohio State network any way yeah. you need. So let me know what you need. Thank you, Nate. Yes, sir. Well, you guys have a great one. I appreciate you again. Yeah. Talk soon. Go Bucks. I'll talk to you. Go Bucks. Go Bucks. In case you haven't noticed, we love podcasts. In fact, we love building podcasts, everything from development to production. Because of all that, we're building a one-of-a-kind podcast network. If you have a podcast or looking to launch a new podcast, then we should talk. You can message me on Twitter at Eric underscore Kaz or hit us up any way that works for you. Let's talk about your podcast joining this one-of-a-kind podcast network.